Iowa everywhere. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is... Iowa everywhere. Yo, welcome to the podcast on Iowa everywhere. It's Thursday morning. We're actually recording this at 11.15 at night on Wednesday, uh, January 11th. Because Jordan doesn't know how to tell time if he leaves the state of Iowa. I am, for one down to abolish time just time in general we're just done not even not even time zones here just time in general it's just over no it uh you are in california right now uh playing for the for the wolves and you told me that you would be good to you told me the times that you were going to be busy and i and then you told me the time that you thought you were going to be able to record and i was like that does not sound right based on what you just told me but I'll roll with it. And then it, it, uh, it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. It basically ended up being exactly what I expected it to be. I have, yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Cause I, I was trying to get my schedule nice and right for you. Cause I know you're a busy man. I'm trying to like, we're trying to get our schedules right mm-hmm. now around different times on this impossible, but I did. This is a funny story. Uh, I interviewed Kurt Warner um like a year and a half ago and he, i think he was on he was on west coast time zone and we had it all set up that it was supposed to be seven o'clock or fuck what was it it was it, would, it was eight o'clock our time six o'clock their time yeah i i i got it mixed up and we got on at six o'clock a.m thinking <laughs> we were starting at six a.m at 6 a.m.? Yeah, I was an idiot. And then we're like waiting for him to come on. And it's like 6.30. We're like, okay, I got to call him. I oh, jeez. I'm calling a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame quarterback, Kurt Warner, at 4.30 in the morning. And my dumbass doesn't realize it. And I'm oh, like, no. So he probably woke up to like two two missed calls from me and two text messages from me say like asking about he was getting on. I feel like the biggest dumbass in the world. Can you imagine doing that, dude? And you sending a calling and spamming a Hall of Fame quarterback. Hey, you joining? And it's four thirty in the morning. <laughs> God bless his soul. That, He's still on. That's like, an all-timer, man. Dude, that's an all-timer. I don't think I've ever told what, that story. So did, you still interviewed him. So what happened? What happened? We still interviewing him. I was just like, when he got on, I was like, Kurt, I'm sorry. I'm just an idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He was probably like, this fucking guy. Like, what is wrong with this guy? You yeah. Know? I, that's the first time I ever told that story. So 
Just oh. shared it. Was this to promote his movie? No. I we we just talked about like his family life and stuff. He's a cool dude, really cool dude. It was yeah. I think it was before his movie just started like production and stuff though. Okay. I've never seen I've never seen his movie. I didn't know if it was good or not. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh we do have plenty to talk about on uh on this week's episode besides uh you embarrassing yourself with Kurt Warner. Uh, Iowa basketball with a couple of wins last week. Iowa State, a couple more wins, uh, up to 4-0 in Big 12 play right now. We're going to start with the Hawkeyes. They've got a big one coming up Thursday night, hosting Michigan uh, at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. The Wolverines are 3-1 and one, uh, in Big, 12, Big 10 play, but coming off a loss to Michigan State. First of all, uh, the win against Indiana had to come back from the big deficit uh, early on in the game. What did you see from, from the Hawkeyes in that one? I, this has to be one of the most up and down seasons in Iowa basketball history. I don't, I mean, they beat a team like Iowa state killed them at home. Um, they beat Clemson. They lost TCU, obviously one at Seton hall and they lose to a Eastern Illinois team. They lose to Nebraska back to back and they come off and rattle a win at Rutgers and against Indiana. It's just a bizarre, bizarre team. I don't even know. Going forward, I think I think this provides them a lot of momentum going forward as a team, like with great chemistry now that they, they know they can get things back on track. But man, I, I it's hard to it's hard to like fathom the ups and downs this team has had so far. Obviously just having Chris Murray back in fully healthy has been extremely helpful. Uh I'm it's hard not to be impressed by the way that Connor McCaffrey has been playing in these last couple of games. And then Peyton Sanford too. You know, I, I thought that it was interesting. We talked about that last week. I think you said that he hadn't made a shot yet in big 10 play. It goes out and he makes a shot the next night, you know? So uh, you're just kind of starting to see, I think this group start to gel, you know, and obviously not having Patrick will be, will be interesting for a while, but I mean, I thought that something kind of flipped. It was kind of like a switch flip for them a little bit when they got down like that against Indiana early in that game. And then there just was a, yeah. yeah, just found a different gear. I think what Philip has been able to do this year, like he he should be in talks of being a all team, uh, all conference player. Like he has been playing unbelievable. I like obviously Chris Murray's going to do his thing and you know Connor is the ultimate glue guy and will continue to hold that team together um but man what he's been able to do he's a he's a difference I think mm-hmm. in that team if they're if they're going to do well in a game like he's the one that's going to decide if they're going to win or lose he's been playing unbelievably unbelievably well this year yeah it's 17 or uh, 19 points in the game against Indiana and then had 16 and 12 against Rutgers. He just is like, uh, I don't know. Like there's a lot of teams just have that guy that for some reason, when you like during the game, you don't feel like it, they like make that big of an impact. But then all of a sudden you look at the stat sheet and they've got like eight points and seven rebounds, you know? And you're like, damn, man, it's just like, guy just is like doing it he's just like doing his job you know and that's what i what i respect about him like he just is he just goes out there and just tries to out tough people you know you just gotta respect it yeah yeah, especially what chris does like he there needs to be another interior presence because chris likes to gravitate towards the perimeter so to have a guy like down low to kind of handle the rebounding battle when chris isn't down there i think that's huge definitely a huge dynamic for an Iowa team that lacks size in the big 10. Um, but yeah, man, they, ha- they've had a lot of great, great, great games. These last couple of games step up in huge ways. Like Peyton, you were talking about, and you know, Philip, we were just talking about Connor's been playing well. Um, Chris is back, but man, like what, what, what Philip's been able to do, uh, he deserves more praise from not only, Iowa fans, but the Big Ten, I think he he deserves a lot of recognition for what he's been able to do. Well, he's gonna have a good challenge uh, coming up tonight against uh, against your boy Hunter Dickinson. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a little bit. But first, the Indiana game not did not come without controversy. Uh, Mike Woodson was not happy after the game. You have the clip of Fran McCaffrey. We're gonna break this down. Uh, well, first of all. 
I this this was out of control for for a brief moment. The it's a tough look for the officials. That's all I'm gonna say to preface everything that happened here. There's just a lot going on in this clip, and uh, we'll get it up here in a second. Yep. We'll just watch, and then we can kind of react. Yeah. We coaches. Graham McCaffrey is over on the Indiana side. He wants, the floor. he wants to know what the dialogue's going on at that end. They're going to have to separate these two sides. Okay. So first of all, I want to. What's going on here? Like what? I don't. There's a whistle being made by Zilk, and we all know how bad of an official this guy, this fucking guy is. So <laughs> which one? No, which one? The guy that gave it to you. I'll, I'll run it back real quick. Okay. This fucking guy. Coaches. He blows his whistle and he calls a T. Oh yeah, he he teased somebody up. That's clear. He gives a T. Yeah. But what I don't understand is why, like, what happened before this that ever prompted Fran being over there? You know. I I don't know the. I I would have to recall the events that occurred beforehand, but I know. Neither side was happy with officiating. At, yeah, yeah. At either point of the game, clearly, clearly. Um, yeah. And obviously, it's been it's been like known that Fran gets out of his coaching box a lot. Like, but that's no that's nothing new compared to the nationwide coaches that do that. That's not yeah. something that's normally called a technical. Right. I, from what it looks like, Jared, I think the T was being made towards Fran. I mean, would you agree that, would you say that that's probably warranted? Yes and no. I know before, like right before this assistant coach right next to the official that called the T was up close to him and they're talking about something. I don't know exactly what it was, but I saw knowing coach and what he's done in the past when I've been on the team, he hates when assistant coaches from other teams are up in the officials faces and they're having a conversation. He hates that. And he does not want that to happen. So prior experience, I think that's what happened. He went over there and was trying to figure out what was going on during the timeout. Right. But see, and that's where so this is from purely from my perspective, I think just from the basis of like the rules, like that assistant coach probably isn't supposed to be standing up either, you know? So it's like every it's, the going across half court, that's where it's like, I feel like you probably, that's gotta be almost an automatic technical. I would think by just the rule book, you know, to go across that far across out of your coaching box half would have to be an automatic technical. That's what I don't understand. 100%. I, but again, like Tom Izzo, he gets out of his box. Oh yeah. Like Underwood gets out of his box. Everyone does it. Woodson does it all. Woodson has done it before too. The only thing that's different is this was during a timeout. So I don't know if that, if any rules are different from that aspect since it's during a timeout, but it's kind of like a known rule. Like you don't cross a half court line when you're the other team, like during a timeout, like that's kind of just like basketball etiquette, I guess you could say. But my thing is he blew his whistle. So was he teeing up Fran for coming over? Was he teeing up the assistant coach that was next to him that they were going back and forth on? I mean, I would think it, it had to have been Fran. Like, I don't know. I don't know how i don't know i don't know but i mean they took it away is what basically it it happened whatever happened here they didn't it didn't amount to anything the thing i will say is i would have found it very hard to believe that they were going to kick fran mccaffrey out of that game right which is the other prior is he already had a t so is this something that the referee was taking in in, into effect yeah but you still blew your whistle you still called a technical foul yeah it I, part of me wonders if there was a conversation, he blew the technical foul. There was a conversation and he said, all right. And then they all came together and they're like, we're going to be in big trouble if we, if we kick Fred out of the game. Right. You know? And it's like, we can't, we probably can't do this. Right. And you just, 
that just, that's where I, you know, I can understand why Mike Watson's mad, but like, I can get it, you know, I can get where they're coming from. Just a bizarre chain of events. So then this is what coach Woodson said after the game, um, which I personally, before we listen to this video, I think what he says in this is idiotic because they blew such a huge lead, but we can listen in and yeah, I mean, they did not lose the game because this happened. They, Correct. I mean, they were up by what? Uh, I mean, it started like it was like twenty six to four to start the game. Yeah, they were up twenty eight to seven at right. one point. That was when they had their highest win percentage odds. Yeah. So, all right. So, listen to coach here. I, I'm not even. I'm not even going to comment on that because that's that's bullshit. Is what it is. You know, and you can you can print that because again, when you can allow coaches to come across half court into your your space, that's bullshit. It is. The question I wanted to ask you about that, Mike, was uh, it looked like one of the officials called the technical foul. He did call the tech, and he pulled it back. Really? Which was bullshit. Guy should have been thrown out of the goddamn game. Up <laughs> uh, 21 in the first half. So, dude, okay, the first, I just gotta say this. The, first, the thing that fucking kills me about that video is what he says the uh they did give him the tea and he pulled it back in the reporter who's in the background really really it's just like it's like man ain't deep like that dude but these people just yeah it's just that kills me i the, the, the what's so bizarre too with that whole chain of events with coach with the two coaches after he came out and said that in the press conference right mm-hmm Nothing happened to him. Like you're you're coming out and saying something against the officials is an automatic fine. Coaches get fined for that. McCaffrey's been fined for that numerous times when I've been with him. But nothing happened. There was nothing that occurred with Woodson and uh, the Big Ten. All all that happened was the Big Ten came out and or there's a reporter that came out yesterday and said there's been numerous talks with coaches around the Big Ten saying that the officiating the in the Big Ten has been really poor. No fucking shit, really. That's what we're gonna come out with. Nothing was said. About- Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you ever read a report where they came out and they said the coaches in such and such league? think the officials are great never <laughs> but of course of course the coaches think the officials are bad of right. course which makes that like that report right idiotic that right even reported on but yeah man I, I, this 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 always strikes a chord with me though like because i came out publicly before i remember in the big 10 tournament during covid the whole situation with juan and um, there, this wasn't the slap that happened in Wisconsin, but there's a with Juwan Howard and Mark Turgeon at center court, and s- someone told someone to kill them. Like there, I hope he's gonna get killed or something. I don't know exactly the words were, but um, I, I think it was Juwan said he's gonna fucking kill Mark Turgeon. I think that's exactly what it was said. But dude, there's, there's stuff like that that happens, and Coach Guard in that same tournament came out about the officiating during our game. And I remember at post-conference, in the conference post-game, I was like, dude, like all these people are having all these things happen throughout the league. And if this happens to Coach McCaffrey, he gets a fine immediately. I just think it's it's very ironic how everything unravels in the Big Ten. And ultimately, I think the officiating the Big Ten is a big reason why there's been such a lack in the NCAA tournament with wins from the Big Ten, in my opinion. Didn't you want to miss the NCAA tournament that year for that deal with the – what happened with Mark Turgeon? He was – I don't think he got suspended. I feel I don't like think he, he was – I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he did. Was he? I don't I don't remember. But I know – I mean, that it he, might not – he – I would be very surprised if he wasn't. I, I don't know. I, I'm I pretty sure he that was, he was. Dude. For some reason, I feel like there was a year that – we're just going to look it up. But they, almost, they went into the tournament with a with a – Interim head coach. I am almost. I'm like 95 percent no, sure that this I, is true. I don't. Either, either, or the whole guard situation. That was the reason why I came out and talked about the officiating. 2022 post game fight. Oh man, not that, that was one. A, that's when he got suspended for the rest of the regular season. Yeah. 
I don't think he got suspended in the 2021 year. Yeah, maybe not. Because that was the whole reason why I came out to the reporters and started talking about it. I was like, this is such a double standard. I need to just Google Juwan Howard, Mark Turgeon. I mean, those, okay, I was going to say this. The thing, like, I, I do think that there is a path to justification for why he didn't get fined for this, why Fran didn't get kicked out of the game last week. That is not, like, a conspiratorial thing. I do think that Mike Woodson was, was pissed and probably should have gotten fined based on the letter of the law. But also, Fran McCaffrey should have probably gotten a technical and gotten kicked out of the game based on the letter of the law or of the rule. So it's like, how I feel like there's probably some discussions where it's like, hey, man, you know, we're not, you know, we're all good, but there's nothing that can be done about it now, you know? So everybody just move on. We're not going to find you. But isn't that like all like more corrupt than the other way around? I don't know. I think it's just people using discretion on some level. I think it's people being fucked up. That's what I think. Well, again, like I, I think that if, if the officials were working by the, the letter of the law, that Fran McCaffrey would have been kicked out of the game. So like, it wouldn't have mattered. You know? Fair, but I mean, what, when does it stop then? So this situation happens again. And like, it just, I think it's just a tumble effect. Everything. Maybe is these coaches just standard. need to relax, bro. Like, <laughs> Really, that's what I'm we're not. Just, I'm not saying specifically to Fred. I'm just saying to okay. Maybe we don't need coaches saying they're going to kill each other on the sidelines, or they hope someone kills somebody on the sidelines. Okay, like, or you don't need guys like Danny Hurley that have such a reputation now of screaming at the officials that they say one thing and they get a, a technical. Maybe like, that's what just like relax, just relax. Maybe that's what needs to happen, or get better fucking officials. Coaches should just coach their team, man. I'm not talking about Fran because I, I think Fran like, still does a good job of that. But just as like some coaches out there, man, they just let that other shit get in the way. Like Mike Woodson, you know that he was bothered by that the rest of the game. Bothered by that. And you know that it seeped into his team. And that's why they lost the game because that little shit, you know. And it's like that's why what Fran does works a lot of the time when he, when he does that. He's strategic about it, and that's what I, I respect about that. It's like – very Yes, I agree. He's very strategic on – how he interacts with the officials, but I still think there's a double standard with McCaffrey and the league. That's all I'm saying. I'm just going to keep track of every time that anybody is fined in the big 10. Well, it's just not on. even that. Like it goes, to, it goes the whole down the line, like from the big 10 to the national media to like how others are. So handled. really you're just mad at Seth Davis. That's what this is. At the end of the day, Seth Davis is a moron, and I'm waiting for him to reply back to one of my tweets. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. You should just say, "This is I'm going to tweet at Seth Davis every day until he responds to my tweet and apologizes to Frame, to Frame McCaffrey. The worst part is he, Seth still comes out every morning and says, be kind, period. That, that's his first tweet of the day. <laughs> God, I'm trying That's triggered. what it is. You I need to so... quote it. You need to quote it and see how long it takes him before he stops. I get so triggered with that tweet, man. I get so triggered. This is day number 775 <laughs> of me <laughs> quoting Seth Davis's <laughs> Be Kind tweet, telling him to apologize to Fred McCaffrey for the double, double standard he faces from the national media. He for sure would block me by then. Oh, 100%. 100%. By day 100, he... I'm going to do it. Fuck it. I'm a, I'll do it. I don't care. We're gonna hate just, just, just asking for it. Just asking for it for no reason. Dude. I respect it. Seth Greensburg, too. He can. He can. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Oh, man. Just the whole, the whole uh, college basketball old head crew. I mean, Seth Davis isn't really an old head, but oh, man. He's old enough. Yeah, he's old enough. Uh, all right. What do you think of Iowa going up against Michigan tonight? I think this is a big game. Not only because it's obviously another opportunity to get three in a row, but uh, for both teams, Michigan is struggling 
right now their resume is not looking good. Iowa's as well. I mean, Iowa has a lot of great wins, but that Eastern Illinois loss is really going to hurt their resume. And as you've seen, I think they're still first four out um, in, in uh, bracketology. So they're going to have to keep winning. And Michigan is soul-searching right now. They're looking for a huge road win. They're looking for an opportunity to get a big win for the resume. So I, I would imagine this game is going to be one of the most competitive games that the big 10 slate has so far, just because of what's on the line for each, each of the teams. And it's early. It's still really early for a big 10 play, but there's a lot on the line for both these teams. So what would your tweet be? If, uh, if Juwan Howard gets a technical foul or does something to, to warrant a technical foul. Oh man. If that happens, the, the thing that pisses me off though, I'm not gonna be able to watch the damn game because I have a game oh. tonight. So, um, yeah, that's that's frustrating. So I'm gonna have to be checking at halftime during my game to see what's going on. You check your phone during the game? During halftime. Like when I get back to my locker room, yeah. Hell yeah. What are you doing? Watching TikTok? Fuck no. I I scroll through Twitter a little bit, see if I missed any events during the first <laughs> half. Um what else do I do? Check scores. That's really about it. When you're like when you're a professional basketball player, like it is it does not is not as like hyper focused. Yeah. Yeah, dude, college is like crazy. Like if I did that in college, I might someone might slip my throat. Well, have you ever seen what Deion Sanders does if uh like if somebody's phone goes off, he kicks them out of the meeting. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. That's... See, we if that happens to us, we just get a little fine. So Right. Yeah, that's it's a little different. All right, uh, and then they play. Uh, Iowa goes to Maryland on Sunday, so a couple of good games here coming up uh, over the next couple of days. Home, uh, it's, it's at it's at Iowa. Oh, at, okay, yeah, yeah, home against. Man, they get three home games in a row. Yep. Is there any reason? I mean, they could go three and zero right here, couldn't they? They should. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows in conference play, no matter what conference it is, you have to win your home games. Yeah. You, it's a must. But the stretch after these home games, they, they're they going to have their work cut out with, with them again. They have a really hard, like, eight-game stretch where they're going to have to buckle down and, and really get after it. Yeah, I mean, they play, what, six of their last – or five of their last eight on the road. Yeah. Man, that's – Yeah. That is uh, that's rough. I don't know three home games in a row. That I don't know if that ever happens in the Big Twelve. That's that's wild. But yeah, they should definitely win all three of those games. If they win all three of those games, you think they're back in the back in the tournament? Yeah, they're on pace. I think now with that win at Rutgers, I didn't expect them to pick up. I figured they'd beat Indiana at home, but that win at Rutgers, I think, allowed them to a little wiggle room um with wins of the big 10 i think if they get to that 10 win mark now they'll be they'll be in the tournament all right uh before we switch over to iowa state i want to remind you guys sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails on main street in ames is the perfect place to go before or after iowa state home games anytime the cyclones are on the road or anytime the hawkeyes are in action it's a great spot for late night fun with a southern inspired menu with a great collection of burgers sandwiches wings and of course caroline's famous fried chicken the atmosphere is incredible with plenty of tvs to watch any game on your radar and there's a party room available for rent in your next big gathering that's sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails at 316 main street and Ames, the presenting sponsor of all of our basketball conversation here on jabo and jared uh i heard uh lexi Donarski at the iowa state women's basketball game last night say that sweet caroline's is their favorite restaurant in Ames. that sounds like an nil opportunity right there i hope that somebody hears this and and gets aligned to Lexi and gets that deal done. Hell yeah. I'm I, I can't wait to go there and have some fried chicken. We've been hyping it up. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Iowa state, a couple of big wins last week. Uh, buzzing buzzer beater win on the road at TCU. Gabe Kalsher with the big shot, uh, after Iowa state blew a nearly blew their lead, uh, that they had late in the game, uh, 69, 67. Then Iowa state, uh, beat Texas tech on Tuesday, 84 to 50 in one of the most dominant performances I've seen by an Irish state basketball team in quite some time going on the road to Kansas on Saturday. Uh, I sent you the condensed game. Did you watch it? 
you watched oh, yeah. the, the film this time. Yep, I watched the game film. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, man, I think it's really hard to not – I mean, not watch Iowa State right now and be really impressed with the way Gabe Kausher's playing and the way Caleb Grill is playing. Uh, the way those two guys are shooting the ball is they're shooting with a lot of confidence. I will say this. Grill makes some tough-ass leading shots. Mm-hmm. Like It is impressive, which worries me because Gabe – we all know how Gabe's seasons can go. Yeah. And give a lot of credit to him. Like he played phenomenal against Texas tech and obviously the shot he hit uh, game prior to win uh, in a hostile environment. That's huge in itself. Uh, they, they, those two guys need to be more consistent for these, for this team to make a run in the deep run NCAA tournament. I mean, they've shown they're what four no now in conference play. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's absurd to think about after, you know, the Iowa loss, I thought, honestly, that was going to be like a beating point for them. That was going to mm-hmm. be a breaking point, and they're going to go downhill. But, man, like, TJ, he's got something figured out with whatever he instills in his guys, man. Like, he is – whatever he's feeding to that, that that team, not only last year but this year too, like, they just buy into that man, and they believe in him, and they believe in each other. And they are looking really good right now. Like, I, I – there's – I mean, top 15 team in the country, they deserve that ranking. Yeah. So since, uh, since December 17th, which is right, would be right after that loss to Iowa, Iowa State's played five games since then. They got Trey King at that time too, who had transferred in, uh, and sat out last year and has played a pretty significant role for them here. These last couple games since December 17th on Bart Torvik, one of the metric sites, they're number three behind Tennessee and Houston with the number 14 adjusted offensive efficiency and number 11 defensive efficiency. And that, you know, it's only five games, but it's like, you don't need to maintain being the number three team in the country, you know, in the metrics to be really good in the big 12 and compete to be at the top of the league until the very end, you know, cause I don't think anybody has the expectation they're going to win the league or win the national championship. But it's like, when you play the way that they have played, Right now, you can see that they are capable of playing at a level where they could be one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I, had, uh, I think not to take anything from the Texas Tech uh, win. I think Texas Tech is fucking horrible. I <laughs> was very not impressed with that team, which is a shame because I thought they were going to be really good before the season. But, um, but that's what it's going to take for that for a team like Iowa State. Like they got to handle like teams that aren't aren't as good and aren't as relevant in the Big Twelve this year that can make runs. They got to be able to handle those games because at the end of the day, like they're going to show up to like teams like Iowa State. They're going to show up to be and compete against the top talent in the league mm-hmm. no matter what. It's the games that are like not a lot of not a lot is on the line for the opposing team. Those are the games that can get really sticky and troubling. And just from my experience, those are one of the hardest games to play in. Because those teams have nothing to lose. They will go all out one game and they might just give up the next game. But right. when they're on their A game, man, like that that's that's frightening for a team like Iowa State. And um, I think that said, said a lot that they had a Texas Tech team come in like that and they just manhandled them. And a lot needs to be said about that, that coaching job TJ is doing because, like I said earlier, they're just – whatever he's feeding to those players, they're buying in. It is uh... – I can't ever remember like a more jarring personnel flip in one year than what Texas tech went through in the last season, because like last year, Iowa state and Texas tech physically, it was not even, not even a matchup, like not even a competition. You know, when you had, you think about Texas tech had Terrence Shannon, they had Kevin McCuller, they have Kevin O'Banner, they had Bryson Williams, they had uh, Adonis arms. Like they had some dudes who were just different you know, and just could really defend and could, you had, could switch at every position and then they could all put the ball on the floor and score and could make plays for each other. And they just were a really good team. And it just, you didn't get any of that sense from them this time. And I think my concern for that program is like, you know, I'm sure some of those guys that came back last year, they were galvanized to an extent by the fact that Chris Beard had left. And it's like, it's a big F you to Chris Beard to like stick together and prove that you guys can still play at that level. And like, you don't, you don't need him, you know, but then all those guys left and Adams like didn't replace any of them 
with guys that really seem to fit that same mold of the style of basketball that he wants to play. Yeah. And that's the, that's the most thing that was apparent when I was watching the game is this team just didn't look like a team that was coached by Mark Adams coach. Like he, the players didn't weren't buying into what they were feeding them, like defensive schemes their offense looked non-existent. It was hard to watch. And you also got to give credit to Iowa state because they were phenomenal on defense too. So they threw them off their game, but Man, it was – I've never seen a team I've, – I've played in a lot of games that teams just kind of give up like they did. It, it almost seemed like Texas Tech didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. From 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 start, they had a little energy, but pretty much for 40 minutes, Iowa State was – they killed them in every aspect of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely did not expect that to happen. Uh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Part of me wants to write Texas Tech off and be like they're going to finish last in the league, but I don't. I'm not sure that's going to happen. They still have a pretty talented team, you know. It's, it's crazy too because Texas Tech hasn't won a game. West Virginia is winless too, um, and West Virginia is a good team. I, I thought um, when I've seen right. them early on the when they played in the the Phil Knight Classic. The metrics loved them for some reason, yeah. but I don't know. It just seems like every time I watch them, I don't come away near feeling near like what the metrics say. You yeah. know, it's just a weird team. I, they're definitely a weird team, but to go back what I said too, like that, those types of teams, like a West Virginia, they're a really great basketball team and they might not have all their players bought in, but like when Iowa State goes and plays them, like they – goes to play at Texas Tech too. Like those types of games says a lot about a team's identity and and after the Iowa win or Iowa loss that they had, I think a lot has been shown on what their identity they they have this season. Um can we work on Jones's free throws? Like No kidding, dude. Holy, holy cow, man. I didn't yeah. realize he thirty five percent from the free throw line. What'd you say? I didn't realize he was shooting thirty five percent from the free throw line. Yeah, he's 11 of 32. That's the, you know, it's not the worst part. It is kind of the worst part. Is that he shot the second most on the team, too. You know, it's like that, the dude's a, getting the line all the time. He's, he's just not making it. That's a, that is a worry, though, like, to be serious for a second. Because, I mean, other than he's a great interior presence. But when he's not in the game, it's Iowa State's a totally different team, in my opinion. And how they, not only offensively, but defensively because he can be that rib protector. Mm-hmm. But when he's in, bro, if I, if I was, like, we're scouting, like, every time he gets the ball and we have a a guy that's not playing, like, heavy minutes, we're we're going to tell him to foul him every time he, he's about to go for a shot. Like, that's just right. what's, what's going to happen, I feel like, especially later on in the Big 12, that's going to happen in, in the conference play. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, in a perfect world probably aren't having a position like that. He's the centerpiece of the offense, you know? I mean, and that's nothing against him. It's just like, and he can be a guy that you can throw the ball on the block to him and he can go and get you a bucket every like, you know, every once in a while, but it's like, you don't need him to be putting up 10 shots, you know? And it's just like, uh, but he makes plays, you know, and he gets it done. Like, and that's where you can't fault him, but that's where they need, you know, you need Oshun, to play better and for him to be uh, playing as well as, you know, I think what people expect him to, I thought that he did against Oklahoma last week, but uh, it just is like being able to string those games together. But I mean, their front court's so much better than it was a year ago that the guards can afford to be a little bit streakier. Like you just, you have that guarantee of getting more points from other guys than you did last year. I will say this too. Um, you mentioned it earlier on the year. I, I'm really impressed with Lipsy's game. I think he he can be one of the best guards, point guards in the whole country, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in a couple of years. His ability to he, he I feel like he always seems to every time I've watched him play, he always seems to play at his pace, and I think that's really hard to find, especially in a young player like he is. That a lot of a lot of guards want to play how they're being defended, and your ability to play at your own pace will create huge separation from whoever's guarding you and will continue to help his stock later on in his career too. Cause that, that, that's a hard gift to have is to be able to play at your own pace. 
that was always the thing that impressed me so much when I would go and watch him play in high school, you know, obviously playing at Ames high is just, he just controlled games. You know, every game was played at the pace that he wanted it to play it to be played at basically. And I feel like when you're watching high school point guards, a lot of time, it's like, if you want to get a real feel of how good this point guard is, it's like, do they, are they playing the game at their pace or is it played at somebody else's pace or are they just like out of control? So then the whole game's out of control, you know, and he never seems like he's out of control, you know, and that just is, is so impressive for him to, to have those qualities. And I think you can see where it rubs off on his teammates too. Like, I think you, I think a Caleb Grill shoots the ball, see, appears to shoot the ball more confident when you've got a guy that you know is going to get it to get it to you in those spots you need to. It seems like Kalsher shoots the ball. You know, when you got that guy that you know is going to put it right where it needs to be and he's going to get you those shots in the spots that you want him to be, I, that can be a game changer for you, you know, and just that confidence that that can give you. And that's such a hard quality too. I mean, you look at teams across the country and just ever the existence of basketball, you look at the point guard on the team, and how they play says a lot about where your direction of the team is going to go. If you have an out-of-control point guard, he's making mistakes, he's not huddling guys, doing the little things, having a having a pass as a shooter, having a pass with the laces coming off a screen, little stuff like that means so much for a team and how they're handling their season. And having a point guard like Lipsy has been, I think – I mean, it's so huge. Like, Grill, you're talking about doing simple things like that. Kalisher getting his confidence back. You want to you want a point guard like that to control a team. And I think that's – as the point guard goes, the team's going to go. And I've always believed in that. And I think any smart basketball mind would agree. I think that there's probably somebody out there that would track this. But I would be interested to know what Caleb Grill's shooting percentage is on passes that come from inside the three-point line like where he's catching it inside out can catch it right here, rise up and shoot. It seems like that is by far when he shoots his highest percentage because he just steps right into it and shoots it and his release is quick. And it's just like, that's where you sit there and you're like, damn, this ain't the same Caleb girl that I remember, you know, from when he was a freshman, when the guy didn't look like he belonged out there. Like you just got to respect that. He's just put that work in. And it's like, he's finally starting to see some of it pay off too, you know? And it's like every shot that goes in, he feels more and more confident the next one's going to go in. Yeah. And he needs to be like that. If, if you're a shooter like Grill is to ever doubt, I'm not saying that he has doubt his ability to shoot the ball, but you want to have that confidence every time you touch the ball, the ball is going to go up and you're going to have a shot because at the end of the day, when you're the best shooter on the team, you should get the most shots. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not a basketball isn't a game of equality. Like you, you get the best players get the most minutes, the best shooters get the most shots, the best rebounds get the most, most rebounds. Like that's just how the game of basketball works. And that starts with confidence too, to be a shooter like that. And I feel like he's starting to play with a lot more confidence, especially against Texas tech. I was going to make a joke. You said basketball is not a quality. I was going to make a joke that that's not what Iowa's basketball jersey said, but I figured that'd be yeah. a bad taste, but it just is. I, I, I just had to say that. <laughs> It's just that was just funny that you because that what was it that guy that said that they needed to put defense on the back of the jerseys instead that, of quality. That's actually funny, but to be honest though, it, it's a testament to the fucking dude. We've had those jerseys for. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the quality. Like I'm just saying we've had those same jerseys for four fucking years. It's just like the NFL having uh, stop racism in the end zone. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. It just is like it just feels like a little bit much now, you know, yeah, we're right. just as like, we, we get it. We know why we like, we know why everybody did it. And like, we, I know that it's smart, but it just is like, it feels like corporations, things like that. Schools, like they just, over, you know, we can take it one step back now. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I know it always just kills me too. And it's a, when Iowa has five white guys on the floor and it says equality on the back yeah, of the jersey. Kinda... Like, that just is so weird. It just is, it just, feels like it feels pointless you yeah, know it's like this feels is really hollow here <laughs> <laughs> just something being honest off. yeah no you're right uh, not, not debating uh there's one other thing oh okay so what we were saying about lipsy that that is where you know i think i'm not not like i'm not saying that tyrese hunter is a bad player because i think tyrese hunter is a really good is a really good player he's playing really well at texas right now 
I hope that he goes and it plays in the league. But I think that what Lipsy brings to this Iowa State team is probably better for the team than what having Hunter would have been. And I think you even look at where Texas is at right now. That team is very erratic, but it doesn't shock me at all because Marcus Carr has been his, all of his teams he's been on have been that way, you know, mm-hmm. and it's nothing like Marcus Carr is a really good player when Marcus yeah. Carr is playing well, but then you also can get a night where it's like, I think that him and Tyrese were combined like four of 17 from the field in the first half of their game tonight. You know, it's like, it just can, that's what I'm talking about with the chaos and like the game, not being under control. Those, those guys kind of exemplify that, which can be good for them, but can also be bad. I think I'm glad you mentioned that too, because it, it is crazy to think about those two players that you singled out and the teams that, like Marcus Carr at in Minnesota, he was, he was a baller. Like he, he could get a bucket, but man, his teams were so chaotic. Like half the season, like we play, I remember we played them at Minnesota and they were really good. Like, I think he had like 30, 35, and uh, I'm pretty sure they beat us. And then we played them like two weeks later at home, and we beat them by like 25 because of how like crazy Marcus Carr played. And I mean, I, a lot, you could say that about Hunter too, Iowa State. Like, I think as good as he was, there's almost a sense of like he kind of held the team back a little bit, I feel like, to an extent. I know that that might be a hot take, but. He's a really, really great player, but Lipsy players like that to have that calming effect. I think that's more beneficial at times than a guy that plays at that level of craziness. Mm-hmm. It's like Tyrese has that raw potential, you know, but then you look at the numbers and it's just like, I don't know. It feels like, I don't know the best way to put it. Cause it's just not very efficient, you know? And that's where I feel like you want your point guard to be uber efficient, you know? Yeah, it's more of a forced stats that he has compared yeah. to letting the game come to you. Yeah. And it just, and that's what I was going to say. Like even tonight, the thing that's still, I think that he's still learning is when to drive it and when not to, and when to pass it out. And, you know, there's times where he's driving into Eddie Lampkin and trying to go straight over the top of them. And it just is like, she can't do it, man. You know, you can't finish like that at this level like, yeah. and not many people can, you know, especially at his size. It just is it. That's where I feel like Lipsy has done such a good job of being able to develop that floater. And then you can ter- take that floater and now teams have to respect that. And you can throw the lob over the top, over the backside help. And it's just like, it's, it's those things that I feel like have helped Iowa state elevate their team that maybe would not have happened with Tyrese, which is yeah. like, they still could be a really good team, but it just, I don't, it would be a much different team. I think it would not be uh, near as flow driven as what this one seems to be. And I think it's important to like distinguish between the two. Um, like Tyrese, you're like a really great basketball player, right? Like we're not saying. Oh yeah. I'm not like knocking. Yeah. Yeah. Just, no. Just, like, one, I understand, you know? yeah. yeah. I get what you mean, but there's a difference between a, being a really great basketball player and not understand the game compared to uh, not saying average, but a player that may, might not be as skilled as him, but they take the game at a totally different level. That separates a team so far because exactly what you're talking about, like little details coming off a screen. Is the guy like sagging off on you? How's he playing in that ball screen? Can you do a, uh, a pocket pass? Can you throw to the top? Can you do a floater? Can you throw it to the rim? Like those quick decisions is really hard to find, not only at high school level, but the college level and on. And that's what makes you distinguish between a really great basketball player, I think, is that high Q that you can have. And it's really rare to have. It's almost like it's it's almost God given. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like there's a lot of players that are really skilled, but they don't think the game at a high level. And they just won't ever for whatever reason. Another perfect example I think of this is uh Another Irish State one is Tyrese Halliburton and Lindell Wigginson. Mm-hmm. Nobody Great, here is yeah. going to sit and sit here and say that Lindell Wigginson is not a fantastic basketball player. Like one of the best when he was rolling, he was as good as any scorer I've seen at Iowa State since I've been covering the team. And I mean, one of the better ones in the Big Twelve. That dude was really, really good. 
But, man, there was something about the things that Tyrese Halliburton could do that just were – you just – that just nobody can do that. You know, like nobody else is out here doing it. The things that he would see and the passes he could make, and it's just like it doesn't matter how many points this guy can score. Like we're going to score even more points because this guy's like setting everybody up and getting everybody in good positions. You know, it just is – I don't know. Yeah, I think that's another good example of that, though. It's just a little bit different position-wise, but Tyrese that's is like, great example. you know, like he's yeah. just so fucking smart for the game. Yeah. No, that Lindell and Halliburton, that, that's a great That's a great example because that fits in perfectly exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I just think uh, – I think Iowa State has a chance to, to have a really good team. And, it, you know, Tyrese is coming to Hilton Coliseum next week. Ooh. I bet he'll get the Jordan. Do you think he'll get the Jordan Bohannon treatment? Who do you think will have it worse, Tyrese Hunter, or, or do you think you do you think you'll still have him beat? I don't know, man. I think he. I think he's yeah. gonna beat you. I'm gonna be honest. That's a that's a hard debate because I was fucking hated, but man, I never transferred out of their school. No, a different conference. Yeah, team or to the same team in the same conference or different team in the conference. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Is it on TV? It's got to be on ESPN, right? They have to televise that one. I would imagine so. Well, Iowa State plays Texas or uh, plays Kansas on Saturday. That game's on uh, on ESPN Plus. Uh, Dude, so it's crazy. Those games aren't televised. This, one, like, this one's on ESPN Plus too. That's crazy to me. Like Big Twelve. Big Twelve has. Hey, I'll, been, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up with ESPN Plus. I, I know you. ESPN we'll, Plus. We'll get it done. I know, I I understand, but like, dude, we got to get it figured out. Big Twelve, they do such a shitty job with televising games. I think once they go to Fox, it'll be better. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it, they'll put more. Yeah, you know, I think it'll be good for the Big Twelve too to potentially be on Big Fox too, like on the networks. You know, right. But uh, there was a uh, one other thing I was going to throw out, but I can't. I'm blanking now. What were you just talking about? Oh, I'm going to Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. You Iowa are State, going? Yeah, for Iowa State, Kansas. That will be electric. Yeah. You ever been to Allen Fieldhouse? I have not. I That's one place I want to go. It is like a spiritual experience, dude. It's, it's incredible. I'm excited. I'm jealous. I'll, uh, I'll send you uh, some videos. The music in there is obnoxiously loud. That's what makes it great, though. I'll drive home in in silence, no sound whatsoever, because <laughs> my ears will be ringing from the arena. Especially, especially the way they've been playing recently, where they're like, they get down fifteen points in the second half and then have to come back and go on a twenty to four run to end the game or something. You yeah, know? that's just how Kansas does it. But all right, man, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, after a couple more wins. Uh, all right, we'll talk to everybody again here on the pod. Thanks to Sweet Carolines, and we'll talk to you again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.